Welcome to the Live Nourish podcast. I'm your host, Katarina Greer. I'm a functional nutritionist and a community herbalist. On this podcast, I chat about all things health and wellness related to help you live a nourished life. There's so much information out there and it can be overwhelming, but health isn't supposed to be complicated. My hope is that you leave this podcast feeling less stressed and refreshed. Remember that the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice. It is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Luminarish Podcast. Hope you're all doing well, having a great day. Here in Victoria, so I'm recording this and it's currently the 23rd of February. Once this is up, it's going to be March. But we got a little dusting of snow last night, um, which is quite rare for us, like at the end of February. Usually it happens like early, mid-February where we get like quite a bit of snow, but this February it just did not happen. But yeah, obviously when you hear this, it's probably going to be sunny and bright outside, hopefully that it will be for March because last March was freezing for us like in the Pacific Northwest but anyways on today's episode I have on Stephanie and we chat about all things just business related talking about how you can get nutrition clients without having a huge like social media following and then chatting about the different like social media platforms that you can be on do you need to like be on all of them And then just tits with, you know, putting yourself out there on social media because, as you know, if you have done it, like, it's just scary. Like, just straight up and it's just kind of awkward at first. But yeah, she has some really great tips in here. And so, yeah, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited too. So could you just tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and what you currently do? Of course. So my name is Stephanie Long, and I'm currently a business coach for nutritionists. Um, I actually got into this role because I started out as a registered holistic nutritionist. I went to a school called Canadian School of Natural Nutrition and graduated in 2014 um, and then started my nutrition practice, um, did one-on-one coaching uh, workshops and lots of like community events. And we can get way more into that today if, you, if you'd like to talk about those details and the ways I grew my practice. And then um, long story short, I also taught at the nutrition school I went to. So I had students kind of reaching out and asking me for help with growing their own business. And that kind of took me to where I am today. So I did not by any means mean to become a business coach, uh, but that's kind of the journey that it took. I think that's really fun I think when you first like get into it and then you don't always think that you're going to take that avenue but you know you find something else that you like yeah yeah I I really had no idea and like I'm sure like a lot of people listening also maybe have found this kind of where something else comes in the path and you're like oh this actually seems to make a lot more sense and this actually kind of feels like the place I'm supposed to be I think that can happen even like finding your niche and like being like, oh, this actually feels really good. So that's kind of when I found this, I was like, oh, I think this was where I was meant to end up. But I kind of had to take the journey of like doing the nutrition path first. Yeah, 
For sure. So can you just share a little bit like about your story, like your journey with health and like why you want to become a nutritionist yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I, for many, many years struggled with, um, like I'd say like, well, kind of looking back probably around the time I got my period. So, um, I think I got my period around 12 and I started having like a lot of issues, um, like a lot of like back pain, you know, kind of like common PMS symptoms, um, a lot more like low energy and lethargy. Like I remember going to the mall with my mom and being like, can we leave? Like I just had like very low tolerance for like outputting energy. Um, And then I started getting digestive issues. And then kind of later in my like late teens, I started getting really bad migraines um, and dealt with those for a really long time. Kind of did the traditional route of like going to the doctor and getting MRIs and, you know, nothing is showing up that's wrong. So, you know, they don't know what to do with me. They're like, you're fine. You know, it's kind of all in your head and um, nothing, you know, was really solved there. And so fast forward to my like mid, um, actually, sorry, early twenties, I was living in downtown Toronto working and for the first time living on, you know, kind of my own with a roommate. And it was when I first had like the capability to like make, do my own grocery shops and make my own meals. And I got at this time, um, I'm going to preface this by saying I no longer am vegan or vegetarian, but at the time I kind of like went deep into that, like, okay, I'm really going to like, you know, quote unquote, clean up my diet and really like look at what I'm eating and cut out certain foods. And I got like quite like, I guess, strict and restrictive with my diet, but I think it did help to reset my body because I was like bringing more nutrients. I was more aware of what I was actually eating. And I started making that connection of like, oh, food actually affects my digestion and it affects my hormones and it affects my um, migraines. So long story short, I just got such an interest in food and nutrition from that point on and was like, oh, like maybe I can learn more. And like I was telling my friends, like all of these things they could do to improve their health with like no credential or backing. I'm like, well, maybe if I go to school and my friends will actually like believe what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so that was really the thing. I didn't necessarily think like to do this as a business, but just to be able to share this information with like my friends and family. Um, but then fast forward, I went to school, really loved it and thought this is actually the career path that I want to take. Um, through actually going to nutrition school, I actually, you know, stopped being a vegetarian vegan, um, which I guess was surprising to me. I didn't think I would bring, you know, animal products back in, but that was almost like the next level of healing for me and continues to be like the next level of healing for me personally, um, is like kind of going back to like bringing in foods that are like super supportive to my body. So, um, yeah, I think that's basically it. It's been a real journey. And I will say I do still struggle with migraines, but I know, you know, right away what I'm kind of doing that might be making my migraines worse. And I, I'm like, kind of like 10 steps ahead of where I was, you know, 10, 15 years back. Yeah. So did you do go go to school on the island here? Or was it in Toronto? No, I've kind of been all over the place in Canada. So um, I actually was living in Edmonton, Alberta um, in my early 20s and um, started, or sorry, I should say 
late twenties. And Mm -hmm. I um, started doing my nutrition course online because they didn't have an in-person school. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I decided to move back to my hometown of Toronto and there Mm -hmm. was uh, an actual program in person Mm -hmm. there. So I did join the in-person and that was um, to me a really big game changer. I learned I wasn't as self-motivated doing the study on my own as like being in relation with other people and learning from the teachers. So I did take that back in Toronto. Yeah. And then like with like, I guess like your journey, like you said that like you got like migraines and stuff, like which things I guess like helped you? Like, did you start seeing like a nutritionist like yourself or like a naturopath or I did start seeing nutritionists like myself. um, And I found that that did help just to kind of, again, I think I was like a pretty depleted child. Um, Like I just, I kept my, my, like my grandparents come from Prince Edward Island. So my mom kind of adopted that, like, like very kind of like, uh, just like carb heavy diet, but not necessarily like my mom never really focused on getting protein in or like vegetables. And it was just like very kind of like bare bones meals, which I think can be really supportive to your health, but I just don't think for like a growing, you know, 10, 20 year old, I I needed like more at that time. So once I started um, kind of like adding certain foods in and um, I think it was really about like just bringing more nutrition in, to be honest, really seemed to help. Um, But I will say that at one point I kind of became, um, well, I definitely became more like orthorexic and was like so restrictive around foods. And I don't know if you've talked about this on the podcast, but I I feel like that happens a lot to um, people who go to nutrition school is you almost like go with the best belief that like, oh, you're going to learn about how to eat healthy, but then you almost become, you know, overly healthy and restrictive. And that really started to happen. So that's where I really had to be like, okay, sure. It's okay to have like some health supportive foods in to a certain extent and not to become obsessed with it. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's really important. I feel like, yeah, it's happened to like me too. Like, and I feel like everyone that goes through it, cause I feel like there's so many like diets, protocols, like whatever. And yeah. you can just get so focused in on it and you're like, this is what I'm going to do forever. And then you just don't think about anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get so, or you cut certain things out and then you don't really think of the repercussions of like cutting certain food groups out and, you know, I think where I'm at in my nutrition journey right now is like really just like balance, like finding mm-hmm. balance and letting mm-hmm. all foods in that feel good and finding out what that means to me, which has kind of been like a big pendulum swing from like letting all foods in and kind of like abusing my body in my youth to like being so restrictive to now being like, okay, there's gotta be a middle ground here somewhere. And that's like currently where I'm like trying to find. Yeah, for sure. So I want to get into business now, um, since that's like what you specialize in. Um, So could you talk about how you can get nutrition clients without having like a huge social media following? Yeah, this is something I love talking about um, because I I definitely think it's possible to grow. um, Well, depending what kind of business, but any kind of business without relying completely on social media. And I'll say like personally, I started my Instagram account back in 2000. Um, 14 when I first graduated from nutrition school and fast forward now to 2023 um, I'm still around like the 3,000 you know followers which is a good amount of followers but I think people are like you need 10,000 you need 15 like you know we see these huge accounts and we're like unless I have that many followers I'm not going to be successful and I just know from personal like perspective like 
I have like a pretty modest following for, you know, what's considered a following. And my business has, you know, been able to be successful because um, like a way to kind of reframe it is, you know, you could have 10,000 followers, but only a thousand of them are actual ideal clients that maybe um, would want to work with you or need your support. So in my opinion, or what I even, you know, teach to my students is, you know, having a couple hundred or, you know, a couple thousand of people that are like really truly like there because they want to learn from you and get your support is way more valuable than just having numbers for the sake of having numbers. So kind of just like reimagining like, well, what does a big following even mean? And what do we actually need to have a successful business? Like how many people really need to be there? Um, That being said, I don't think it's like a bad thing to want a larger following and it's completely possible, but there's many different ways to, I guess, utilize a smaller following or to even grow your business off of social media to begin with. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I feel like lots of us just look at the numbers, like, with that, like you said, like, oh, once I get to, like, 10k, then I've made it, you know, but it's, like, no, like, you don't need that, necessarily, you can have, like, even, like, a thousand, like, that's still, like, a lot of people, not all active, say, like, 10%, so, like, 100 of them are, yeah, it's still, like, a lot, like, if you had, like, 100 people in a room, like, that's a lot, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that little visual of, like, this is what, you know, 20 people look like 100 like a thousand. Um, and you're, you're totally right there that even if you have like a thousand people in your audience, you're a small percentage will see that. But let's say you have like a thousand super committed people in the audience who like could potentially become a client. That's a hundred potential clients. And maybe not every single person is going to join and work with you, but that's where you like maybe grow elsewhere, elsewhere, or you, um, you know, find your audience maybe off of social media to, Mm -hmm. to work with. Mm -hmm. For sure. So with that, like, would you say it's important to be on like all the platforms? So like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, all of that, like in order like to get clients or do you, can you just be like on like Instagram, for example? Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is like, um, finding the platform that your ideal client is on. And when I say ideal client or like potential clients, like let's say you are working, um, and like helping people balance hormones or helping people with you know, healing their gut or whatever it is. So you would want to, you know, be attracting those people that need that support. And so for example, let's just be even more clear. Let's say you're helping um, women over 50, you know, like maybe in like menopause years, like supporting their hormones. Well, are women over 50 um, on TikTok? I mean, maybe, right? We could maybe now as the platform gets bigger and there's more people coming, um, but maybe they're more likely to be on Facebook um, because maybe, you know, years past, that's kind of where they built up a community and maybe that's where they spend the majority of their time. Um, So you kind of have to look at like who you're trying to attract and where they might be spending time because we definitely don't want to be creating content for people that aren't there, right? Because then it's like this hamster wheel of like, I'm doing all these things and no one's actually reaching out. Right. Um, so finding the right platform. And then to answer your question, I don't believe you have to be on them all. I think, you know, just having a really good strategy for um, like one main platform, whether that's Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be. And then you can always consider repurposing content on different platforms. So 
what you're making for Instagram, like let's say a reel could be repurposed to TikTok and, um, you know, maybe put onto YouTube or maybe um, created as a post on to LinkedIn. But I think when you're just getting started, that's super overwhelming. So yeah. trying to just stick with the one and grow that before you move on to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I for, always forget about like repurposing stuff, how you can like link it to other things. Yeah. Like, or, you know, <laughs> you know so much. Totally. Because <laughs> someone who might, I mean, even if somebody saw the same thing twice, like it's, that's not like the worst thing in the world. Maybe they saw it the first time when they were at work and now they're sitting at home after dinner, like actually seeing your content on a different platform and they're sitting down and actually like, looking at it and, you know, um, absorbing it. So that's totally fine to, you know, what you're sharing with, mm-hmm. let's say your newsletter, also snippeting that, snipping that down and putting that on Instagram or a little bit on another platform. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I always forget that like you can also like reuse stuff too from like a year ago that you posted because, you know, who's going to remember that from like, unless they're scrolling back. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're a super fan or possibly. So yeah, I, totally. Like um, I really like going to like analytics and seeing like Ooh. what really performed well and maybe not reposting it in the exact way that it was posted the first time. Like maybe instead like make it into a carousel or make it into a reel or, you know, doing it in a different way. Or if you're short on time, sure. Just reposting that, that same thing if it did really good. But yeah, I think we all need to like cut ourselves some slack and be like, one person can only do so much and it's okay to, you know, take some shortcuts if that means that that Mm. will help me be more consistent and actually show up. Mm. Yeah, because also it takes a lot of time. I feel like people don't always realize how much time it takes to like create even just one post, like a real or like whatever people just see it for 15 seconds but it's like oh that could have taken hours oh absolutely especially yeah I mean I dealt with this yesterday I was trying to do a reel and it just kept not posting and it was like like a tech issue and then it posted wrong and I was like I probably spent like two hours trying to post this thing and you know that's one piece of the entire big business puzzle so that's almost where you need to assess like um you know if you're putting all the eggs in one basket to like grow a business on social media, like, is that the smartest business move? Because there are so many different ways to grow a business outside of social media, you know, like organic, organic, like in your community, like doing um, workshops. I had mentioned that something I did um, when I started my nutrition business, just spending time in the community, like doing events and workshops, or there's even um, something I... (laughs) I don't want to go on like a rant here, but something I've gotten really interested in recently um, because I've seen the results is blogging. Now, I never thought I would like care about blogging, put any time into blogging, but I'll just say um, just kind of in an effort to like remove myself from having to be on social media all the time. I worked with somebody to help me with SEO, which is search engine optimization and for those listening that are maybe like, I don't know what that means, or I've heard of it, but I don't understand. It's basically creating content and using certain keywords that people are searching for. So for example, again, if you're a nutritionist and you help with, you know, women in their fifties with menopause, um, you would write blog posts, you know, with keywords about like menopause, women in their fifties, hot flashes. And then those, because you have certain language in those blog posts, they're more likely to be found on Google. And 
just for like a statistic, well, personal statistic, um, looking at my back end of my website and seeing the analytics, um, like, let's say I had like, um, I think 2000 people in a month visit my website. Now, a thousand are just like finding me directly from like maybe my podcast or maybe they heard about me. So they're looking me up. Um, And then what really surprised me was 800 people are finding me from my blog posts on Google. Um, And then 100 people are coming to my website through social media. So that actually shows me I'm getting eight times more people to my website from my blog posts versus the 100 people coming from social media. And I hope that makes sense. But just for some perspective of like, I spend so much more time doing social media, but it's the blog posts that are really bringing people in. Mm. So remembering that there's other ways to grow and then being intentional about where you're spending your time as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really cool with like the search engine optimization, which people I feel like don't always think about. But, you know, it's important to like do that too. So people can actually like find your website, obviously. Like oh, you said. oh, yeah. Absolutely. So like there's a million nutrition, right? Like it's kind of that argument of like, there's so many people doing the same thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's so true. But there's a way to stand out. And some of that's like personality. Some of that's your social content. And some of that's just like pure um, strategy, like how Mm -hmm. you're, you know, the content you're creating, how you can be even smarter about how that's getting to more people. Yeah. So did you just start doing that recently or like over the past year? Or um, I started that last January and I'll be honest, I'm like very slow <laughs> at writing them. So I think I have like, I definitely have like under 10 blog posts or about 10 on my website. Yeah. Um, but I do see, and, and they're a bit longer. So, you know, I'm pretty strategic about not just mm-hmm. writing like a short post. They're a bit longer and, and I follow like a specific kind of framework mm-hmm. to make sure that um, Google likes the blog post because um some of the um knowledge is that like google likes blog posts that are over 1500 words generally mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. so it's a little bit longer mm-hmm. um but you know putting that time in that i might have spent on three social media posts that might only be seen by like you said 10 percent of the audience i might as well spend that same time creating one long blog post that people can return to over and over and over yeah which is the argument for blogging or even something like YouTube, you know, that content is more evergreen, meaning it's there all the time for people to find where unfortunately social media, it's almost like a drop in the bucket and it's gone. And you're like, I spent so much time on this. So, you know, finding these ways to grow that aren't like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. I think that's really smart because it's searchable in that way, you know, with like Instagram, you have to like scroll back. You're like, where is that post that I liked a year ago? (laughs) Yeah, because even on TikTok, I mean, you can use like the little search, you know, for, like, a, you know, what at least right now when we're recording what's in is like, every well, on my algorithm is like everyone using like rosemary hair oil and yes. like hair care. And it's yes. like you search it in the search bar and a million videos come up, but it's not like, um, I, I don't think like specific videos would come up, just the ones that I've probably performed mm. really well. Or I don't really know exactly how how that algorithm works, but it's not like a catalog of your information where something like YouTube, like you're right, somebody can go and they can almost search for that exact video and get yeah. that resource right away. Yeah. Yeah, super helpful. Um, so do you have any tips with like putting yourself out on social media just because it can be scary? Yeah. <laughs> 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 it can. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of, I guess, bringing it down to like, like basics, if like being on camera is really scary for you. Um, my tip for people is usually, um, okay, sure, the goal is to hopefully be on video, because that's how people really connect with you and get to know you. And at the end of the day, people usually want to work with you because of you, like, yeah, you can have the best program. But it's also like, what kind of practitioner are you? And how do you, you know, how do you communicate? And what do you know? So that is important to show your face. But what I like to remind clients is, you know, trying even just to take it small. So maybe it's not like the first thing you're going you're gonna to do is like jump on video and be super confident. Maybe you like film yourself making like your dinner and it's like your hand, this would be maybe complicated how you'd hold the camera, but you know, some kind of way where you're holding the camera and it's your hands and you're talking. So almost that's a first step. And maybe for a while you're just talking on camera and it's kind of you doing things. Maybe you're on a walk with your dog and you're just sharing education. And then maybe one day you flip it and you talk to camera and, or you even share a picture of yourself. So kind of like baby steps. Um, and you know, if like, recording kind of and like posting feels uncomfortable you can even just like record on your phone and like try it a few times edit it there and then post it so you know whatever feels best to you so that's in terms of like more getting like visible but in terms of um maybe putting yourself out there I I try to recommend as much as possible like um remembering that your feed so like where all of your like posts are and your reels and all of that that's more for um, getting new clients, like, or sorry, getting new followers. So that's more like you're creating content, you're using hashtags, and you're hoping to like, you know, kind of grow your following. But then stories, or um, I don't know if TikTok has an equivalent to stories. I think they do have some like kind of yeah, they do daily video. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, more of those like daily kind of like stories yeah. you sharing are more to nurture the people that are already on your list because unless you're like hiding hashtags in your stories or maybe yeah. taking other people like it's really only being seen by the people that are already there so we kind of need both of those we need to be creating new content but nurturing the people that are there and not worrying so much about um just getting new followers, but also like supporting the people that have already chosen to follow you. Um, I, I would like to liken this to even like as a nutrition business, sometimes you'll like spend so much time trying to market and get a client, but then you have like no process. Once a client comes in, you're like, oh crap, like I don't even know what to do with this client, right? So it's almost the same thing. We need to be managing both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, for sure. So with that, I guess maybe I have a follow-up question like how would you I guess those that are getting started so it's like you're putting yourself out there but then say you have like a lead on a client mm -hmm. what are like the next steps that you would want to like do yeah I guess it would depend like did this person reach out to you did you reach out to them I'll just assume like somehow you've had a conversation um, I would actually uh, be inquisitive to this person about like, what are they really looking for? And like, what do they need support with before you just like right away say like, oh, I have a program that could help you with this or, you know, even look, let's book a discovery call, I think is great. But just having some kind of like communication first to really showcase that like you, you do care, right? And you are the type of practitioner that like really does want to support that client. So getting like a bit of communication in. 
And then um, that's when I would then say, you know, um, let's actually chat on a discovery call to see if we're a good fit to work together or just as a way to actually see like, you know, what their needs are. Like, are you the right fit? Because um, I think it is important for you as a practitioner to not take on people that maybe would drain you, but also the people need to find the person that's going to help to solve their issues, you know, the right fit. So having that actual conversation. And to be honest, I'm not like a huge fan of promoting, go like go and search people and like find, you know, DM them and like kind of hard, right. hard thing. Yeah. I'm a little bit probably like a softer salesperson where I'm like, you know, here's how to manage those conversations mm-hmm. when someone connects with you. But I do think it is kind of like your duty um, when you're creating content to actually give what is called a call to action. So let's say you share a post and you give all these amazing like nutrition tips, but you don't like tell the the reader what action to take next. We do want to make sure, you know, um, to tell someone like message me for more, more details or um, like, like here's a link to check out or whatever it might be for them to, you know, take a next step. Um, because if not, then you might just be creating all this great content, but not giving people the knowledge that like, oh, I actually have services and programs in place to like actually support you with your health needs. Yeah, I think that's really important because like when you can do like do carousels or like at the end of like a reel, you can put in a little slide that's mm-hmm. sort of, like email me here, connect with me, like I work one on one which I think is very helpful. Yeah, like you said, like very important or else you could be losing out on clients and people that like do want to work with you. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. Um, I also just want to circle back, like at the beginning, you said that you did like workshops, mm-hmm. um, like after like nutrition school. So I'm curious, like what did you do? <laughs> oh, I did it all, honestly. <laughs> I guess I had no shame. I was just like, um, I, I got like a little taste for doing workshops and then was like, okay, how can I continue to do this? So it started by, um, I actually did a program after my nutrition school. It was called Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Um, It's with Megan Telpner, who's like a kind of like well-known nutritionist in Canada. And she teaches more, um, I'd say like the hands-on aspect of like food and food preparation. And then one of the, um, one of like the homework assignments was run a workshop, which at the time I was like, terrified. (laughs) So um, I actually connected with my local health food store and said, can I run a workshop? They said, yes. It was a small, you know, three to five people that came. That was perfect. You know, just getting started small and um, picking a topic I felt comfortable talking about. And then from there, I continued to run workshops at that health food store. I connected with another health food store. Um, I ran some workshops with my my local city. So, you know, doing kind of more um, like programmed workshops with the city and having different people um, from different walks of life come in there. Um, and then even corporate wellness. So this is one I think some of us are interested in, but we don't really know how to get started. So more like doing what they call like lunch and learns at like an office. Um, and my biggest piece of advice there is um, just emailing and asking. And I, I mean, that sounds like I'm making it sound super easy, but sometimes it is. Like, I think there's opportunities there to be had and we just hold ourselves back a lot because we're like, I don't want to, you know, be annoying or I, I don't want to get a no, but that's part of the 
the business is, you know, putting yourself out there, sending emails, advocating for yourself. Um, And then if it's a no, that's okay, right? You go and find the other opportunity that the door might open for. So um, I would just say like writing those emails and, um, and just like starting small, like I said, even if one person shows up, that's still one person you get to practice your public speaking skills in front of. Yeah, I think that's also like really helpful because public speaking, mm, scary. (laughs) (laughs) I still get sweaty, even like for my own personal podcast, before doing an interview, I'm like, get nervous. And it's, I, I literally think when people are like, how do you get comfortable? It's like, you just have to do it a million times and Honestly. keep doing it. And if you make a mistake and you mess up, like, it's okay. Like, it's not yeah. the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being okay with, like, being imperfect, I think. Yeah, I think that's also one of the reasons why I started the podcast. Because, yeah, I don't really like public speaking. But I was like, hey, you know, it's over, like, a voice memo thing that, you know, it's not video, right? So yeah. it's, oh, yeah. you can just listen to it, you know, and then it... Yeah, you slowly just got to put yourself out there and yeah. practice over time. And good for you. Like it's, it, you know, it, a lot goes into, like as we were talking about before pressing record, a lot goes into creating a podcast that people will never see. But it's all like really great skills to, you know, help you become a better business owner. And um, it's almost like, sure, you're doing this for your audience and for the people to learn, but it's also helping you learn and helping you refine your craft as well. So it is like a win-win where you're creating a space for people to get free education, but but you're also improving your skills too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And I also learned so much like, from the episodes. Like you probably do on like your show, you you like you learn a lot from other people. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm always like, tell me more about this. Like, <laughs> I have personal questions. <laughs> yeah. So my second last question is, what is one thing that you do to live nourished? Yes. Um, when you sent that question over, I was like, oh my gosh. I, like I really want to say like the right thing here. <laughs> I was probably putting too much pressure on myself. Um, well, I'll say the first thing that came to my mind was um, that I try to do cold dips in the ocean. Ooh, you are brave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although that being said, I got a cold dip like little pool, um, like a little like um, inflatable kind of pool mm-hmm. for my backyard. And that is much colder than the ocean. Okay. Oh, I was surprised at. I thought the ocean was like, yeah, badass, but like, I, it's, the pool itself is cold, but that's kind of something I personally do um, just to like almost shift my state. Like I find it, you know, if I'm having a bad day or even, you know, living here in Victoria, like the clouds and the rain, like it kind of gets to you and it almost is like a shock to my system that resets me a little bit. Um, so that's like the main thing. But if I can say one more, <laughs> um, I'd say like, to dig a little bit deeper for me personally, like, um, like embodiment work and like, actually, like I said before, you know, being so obsessed with like food and more like the external things, it really disconnected me from my body. So really learning how to like be in my body, like do some inner child work, like actually like acknowledge what like my emotions and my body needs has like been very, very life-changing for me um over the last like kind of year I've been like really digging into doing more of this work mm, I think that's so cool and also no one has said cold plunges yet so you were really cool <laughs> did you just start that like this past year or like when? probably more seriously in the past year I guess I would kind of do them every now and again um 
a friend and I like who live here in Victoria, we've kind of committed to doing every Monday. So just, it, I think it's just a nice way to even have community and, yeah. um, again, sure. just like get myself out, out of the house as working from home can kind of keep you here often. So it's nice to get out there and do something different. I think that's nice also to, like to do it with a friend because it keeps you accountable because else I feel yeah. like, like oh yeah I'm gonna do it Monday go to the ocean but then like you don't have someone to do it with and you're like oh I could just skip it <laughs> you never well I know exactly I just got this pool in the backyard and again it's like very small it's like a pop-up thing um and my partner who I live with he's been gone for the last week so I, every day I'm like I should go in the thing and I'm like no and I swear as soon as he comes back home and I have someone to be accountable to I'm gonna use it more <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Where can everyone find you and connect with you? Yeah. So you can find me on social media if you want to connect there. I'm just at stephanielong.ca. Um, I also do have a podcast called Next Level Nutrition Biz. So if you're looking for like um, some free content around, you know, starting your nutrition business, signing your first paying clients, you can find that there. And then the last thing I'll say is I have an online chorus called Launch Your Nutrition Biz that is um, specifically like content to help you get those first few steps in and to sign those first paying clients, meaning clients that aren't just like friends and family and doing you a favor by working with you, but those first clients to kind of get your feet wet and um, start making a difference. Hmm. Well, that's so fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I love chatting with you all about like business, your personal health journey. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really fun. So that is today's episode. Hope you guys all enjoy my chat with Stephanie. And yeah, just learned something new. And if you haven't already, please leave a rating or review, either on Apple or Spotify. I read every single rating or review that I get. So I really appreciate the feedback or just like, you know, what you learned or enjoyed. And yeah, that's all. See you guys in next week's episode. Bye for now.